The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Director and founder of Active Minds, the only national organization dedicated to utilizing the student voice to raise mental health awareness on college campuses. And let me tell you a little bit about Allison. Allison started Active Minds following the suicide of her brother Brian, who had experienced depression and psychosis for three years while in college, but had concealed his symptoms and had not received the support he needed. On March 24, 2000, as Allison was wrapping up her freshman year at the University of Pennsylvania, Brian ended his life, recognizing that few students were talking about mental health, although many were affected. Allison wanted to change the campus culture. She became dedicated to combating the stigma of mental illness by encouraging students to seek help at an early age and preventing future tragedies like the one that took her brother's life. After searching unsuccessfully for existing groups to bring to her campus, Allison created her own student group model in the fall of her junior year. Shortly after graduating, five Phi Beta Kappa with honors in psychology and sociology, Ellison created the 501c3 organization headquartered in Washington, D.C. in order to develop and support similar student groups on campuses across the country. In just over five years, the organization has expanded onto more than 240 campuses, yay, Ellison, with anticipated growth to 300 campuses. Uh, chapters by the end of 2010 and boasts a number of innovative national programs that are run by its chapters. With recognition from the Campaign for Mental Health Reform and organizational profiles in the Washington Post, Chronicle of Higher Education, and others, Active Minds has become recognized as the leading voice in student mental health advocacy. Thank you for joining us and welcome, Allison. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be on with you and be able to talk with you today. Um, I guess we should begin by talking um, a little bit about um, the stigma that you encountered um, after your brother ended his life and what that was like for you and your family. It's interesting because I I would actually say that the stigma that we encountered um, happened before Brian died, um, much more so than even after he died, primarily because I... um, I saw very early on from my mom that we shouldn't be ashamed of um, the the suicide death of my brother Brian or about the mental illness that he experienced. And so we kind of um, threw stigma out in a way and talked openly about Brian, his experiences, um, and his manner of death. Um, I would say the stigma that we encountered was really the societal and the internal stigma that Brian faced with his mental health issues. And, And very briefly, he was in college when he first started experiencing combination of depression and psychosis and it was actually his freshman year of college that he first started experiencing it but it wasn't until his senior year that he told anybody or that he got help for it Uh, and a lot of that was because Brian felt as though it was his fault 
um, that it, he was the only person that was dealing with this, that it was his responsibility to make himself feel better. So many of these thoughts that so many of us often have. Um, and, and really the societal stigma that nobody was really talking about mental health. Nobody was really talking about this openly. And so there's no reason for Brian to think anything but what he did. Um, and so he kept it quiet until his senior year. And finally then he sought help. Um, but he took his own life about a year and a half after that. And I um, believe pretty strongly that it was because of his um, those experiences that he had in college, the loneliness and the isolation that he felt while he was in school, um, that really contributed um, ultimately probably to his death. And had he been able to get help early, had he felt comfortable getting help early, um, he may be with us today. Um, you know, there is a lot of stigma that surrounds suicide. And as I said, I've been fortunate um, that my family hasn't really experienced it because we won't let anybody stigmatize um, Brian or, or the um, manner in which he died. And, and we really honor him and, and honor the life that he had. Well, and, you know, I think, um, you know, college that time of age is so fragile. You know, we think about, you know, people growing up and growing out of the house and learning to become independent. And it's really a highly stressful time of life for many different reasons, whether you're in college or not. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, I'm not sure how well prepared most colleges are for the amount of stress that, that kids exhibit. Yeah, it's an interesting time. As you said, it, it's not even just those students who are in college. Um, you know, this is an age when many mental health disorders first present, and, and we don't quite know why. Um, what we most commonly understand or believe is that it's a combination of biological and social factors. There's something with a changing teen brain, in a way, um, that can manifest mental health issues for the first time in the high school and the college age. And then for many young adults, um, this is a time of transition, especially those who are going to college. They're leaving home. They're having to make a, no, a new group of friends. They're um, transitioning into adulthood and being told that now you're over 18, now you're supposed to take care of yourself. Um, and it's a severe life transition for many students. They're, they're losing what they knew. It's life. It's loss. Um, and, and that kind of stress can also manifest in mental health issues. So for many young adults, this is the first time that they start experiencing anything related to their mental health. Um, and colleges and universities are high-pressure situations. And so when you start experiencing issues such as depression or stress or bipolar disorder, uh, mania, um, eating disorders, there's not necessarily a safety net around you the way there may have been when you lived at home and you were in high school and it was a smaller group. You are responsible for yourself. Um, that said, colleges and universities have really great resources for students who seek them out. Almost every college and university has a free confidential counseling center available on campus and students can seek out um, clinical care for their mental health issues uh, five days a week, you know, eight hours a day. And if they can't get care by the on-campus counseling center, um, the counseling center can often refer them to local clinicians who are able to um, treat and, and help students. So there are a lot of great resources. The issue is that this is a time where you have to seek them out yourself, and people are not necessarily going to come find you. Um, there are more and more activities done now through faculty, through resident assistants, through coaches, through students themselves, um, really educating about mental health issues and educating about these resources that are available on campus. So we're moving in a great direction to make sure everybody understands that mental health is a, a core part of our overall health um, and our overall wellness. 
Um, but we're, we're not quite there yet. Uh, we're still working hard to, in order to create a space where all students really feel comfortable talking about their mental health, feel t- comfortable talking about the experiences that they've had, and really feel comfortable seeking help if they need it. Um, you bring up a couple things to mind in terms of I recently saw in the paper where Cornell um, has, has recently experienced a, a number of student suicides and um, had been known as, um, was it the ravines there or something that's on the campus? Gorges, yeah. The gorges that are there. Um, is that a myth? Is it, you know, do, is it typical for suicides to cluster like that? on a college campus? Yeah, a couple different answers to your questions. Um, So, you know, Cornell was interesting in the late 90s. um, There was a a cluster of suicides, and that's when um, suicides at Cornell really became public attention, public news, and and it became known as a suicide school because of the gorges. Um, If anybody's been on Cornell's campus, it's a beautiful campus with with bridges and gorges, and and, um, unfortunately many of the suicides that have occurred on Cornell's campus have been very public um, in, in the gorges, and so that's what they've become known for. The fact is that the suicide rate at Cornell is no higher than it is in any other school. Um, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention says that, on average, there are 9.6 deaths by suicides for every 100,000 college students. And so if you look at it, on average, Cornell should experience two suicides per year. Um, to me, that's two suicides too many, um, but when you look at the numbers, it's two suicides per year, and, and the fact is they haven't had a single one um, since 2005, so there have been quite a few in the news recently, and there have been quite a few for Cornell um, this school year, but when you look at on the average, they're no higher than the, than the general average. Um, but that said, yes, it's often seen, and, and counseling center staff and school administrators will tell you that um, there will be ebbs and flows and, and waves of um, you know, a couple of years without a single incident, without a single college student suicide, and then a couple of years where um, it seems like they're just coming one right on top of another, on top of another. And they're all really difficult, and it all requires an immense response. Um, but it is important for everybody to know that Cornell is not in a different situation from anybody else. They've just happened to be in the news quite a bit. Um, and every school um, really faces its own challenges, and, and Cornell is absolutely a high-pressure environment. Um, but that's not to say that the students there are, are any more at risk for suicide than those students who may go to a community college but may also be working a couple of full-time jobs and or taking care of families. Stressors are different, uh, for sure, uh, and Cornell just happens to be the one that we're hearing about these days. That kind of um, brings up one of the projects that I know that Active Minds um, developed, um, and maybe you could just share with us how many students suicide every year. I, I would love to share with you. Um, unfortunately, we have 1,100, 1,100 college students who die by suicide each and every year, uh, and that's nationwide on national average. And I would say that number, um, unfortunately, it, it's a little bit of an estimate because suicides are not very well documented. Um, we think it actually may be higher than that, but the, the average belief um, is 1,100 college students who die by suicide each year. Um, and to commemorate it and to really bring attention to um, the tragedy of college student suicide, uh, we at Active Minds have a program called Send Silence Packing. Um, and Send Silence Packing is a display of 1,100 donated backpacks that represent those students who die by suicide each and every year. And on many of the bags, we actually have the stories and pictures 
of individuals who have died by suicide um, that's been, that have been submitted by fam- family members and friends um, of those who have lost loved ones to suicide. And, and we're, we continue to solicit stories and pictures um, and so encourage anybody who's interested to submit a story on our website. Um, but we're, we're thrilled to be able to actually take this and Silence Packing display on a national tour starting early April. I will be going visiting 10 different cities throughout the United States through the month of April, um, starting at James Madison University in Virginia, traveling as far west as the University of Wyoming, uh, and then coming back and finishing up at oh- the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, um, really to bring attention to the tragedy of college student suicide, the impact and the incidence of suicide, and, and really allow individuals to see what they can do um, to prevent suicide and what we can do to bring a t- awareness to the issue so that we can repeat this display in 10 years and not have to have a single bag. Um, that's our ultimate goal with all the work that we do with Active Minds and, and the goal of so many of us in the mental health field. Um, Active Minds is not just a suicide prevention organization. We really work to bring the student voice to mental health in general, um, and one, one key component of the mental health um, is suicide and suicide prevention. Um, what has been the response to this display so far? Oh, it's been tremendous. Um, you know, I can tell you as a as a suicide survivor myself, as somebody who's lost uh, two loved ones to suicide, um, it's more powerful than even I anticipated it would be and it could be. Um, it's been a great way for individuals to memorialize their loved ones by putting their stories and their pictures on backpacks. Um, we've We've been fortunate in the... The four locations that we've had the display so far, they've been very public locations. One was the National Mall in Washington, D.C. That's where we kicked it off um, in 2008, and we had tens of thousands of people walk by the display and, and just really be touched um, because, as so many of us know, so many of us have a story and, and are touched by mental health and suicide, and yet we just don't talk about it. And so it gives people an opportunity to really think and reflect and remember. And for those who haven't been touched, who don't understand, who don't realize that the immense uh, numbers and, and um, really the impact and the incidence of, of these deaths. It, it's a learning opportunity. It's an educational opportunity. Um, so it's been incredible. And as I said, even just submitting stories, has, we've gotten incredible responses from the individuals who have submitted the stories to be put on the bags. Um, and I would say that we're, we're able to go on this 10-city tour um, because the public voted for this um, for this project. We were part of the Pepsi Refresh Everything grant competition in the month of February, and through the month we were one of the top ten vote-getters, and so we're able to get, we were able to get the funding in order to go on the 10-city tour to display some funds packing throughout the U.S. Um, and we'll be right back to talk with Allison about Active Minds and um, other things that are happening around the country on college campuses. If you have any questions for us, give us a call, and we'll be right back. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence based practices, consensus practices, and old fashioned 
common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Stiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for the right turn with J.J. O'Malley. It's an insider's look at America's fastest-growing motorsports series, the Grand Am Rolex Sports Car Series, presented by Crown Royal Cask Number 16. You'll hear about what happened last weekend and get a preview of what's coming up next. From the Rolex 24 at Daytona through Watkins Glen International, Mid-Ohio, Laguna Seca, right up to the championship at Homestead Miami Speedway. The Right Turn with J.J. O'Malley, broadcast live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mary Woods, and our show is one hour at a time. And our guest today is Allison Melman, who is the founder and executive director of Active Minds, which is an organization that um, helps to promote and utilize the student voice to raise mental health awareness on college campuses. And um, in our last segment, we were talking about student suicide and um the backpack initiative that, that you will be doing in 11 or 10 different cities in April. Um, and I was wondering, you know, um, the anniversary of Virginia Tech shootings is coming up. I know that you had gone to Virginia Tech with your backpack project. And, you know, what what do folks do if, they, if they're concerned about a student or um, if, if you're if you are involved in something or you know someone who, who you're concerned about? Yeah, I think it's a great question, and it's something that so many people face, um, whether you're a student yourself, um, concerned about a roommate or a friend or a parent who's worried about your child. Um, you know, I would say to those, those friends, um, it's interesting that the recent studies have shown that 67% of college-age students and college students who are suicidal tell a friend before they tell anybody else. Um, and so the role of friends and the role of peers is so, so important in mental health and um, suicide prevention. And I would say if you're a friend and you're concerned about a friend or you've had a friend actually talk to you about feeling um, as though they're thinking about suicide, um, talk to them. Ask them, say, I'm, I'm worried about you. What's going on? Can, can we talk about it? Um, and take their hand and walk them over to the counseling center. Um, friends play a role in really providing support. You're not expected to make your friend feel better. You're not a clinician. That's not your job. That's not your role, your responsibility. But you can absolutely help them get into the clinical care that they need. Um, so it's either walking to the counseling center, it's calling up a parent, it's calling the RA, whomever is a, another a trusted adult um, to help you, help your friend get into the support they need. 
if you're a parent um, who is worried about a child or just want to figure out how you can um, make sure that, that this isn't your kid, um, first of all, I'd say that we, we can all do so much. And I grew up in an incredibly supportive family um, with a mother who's a social worker. And there, there was, there's no way I could ever blame what happened to my brother on my mom. Um, but I think for any parent who's concerned about a child, open up a line of communication. Don't wait until something's in crisis mode to talk to your child about mental health. Um, if we start talking with them early, when they're five, six, seven years old, just like we talk with them about physical health or um, sex and drugs and, and um, other issues that we typically talk about as teens, if we start talking about mental health early, we're in a better place to, to hope and assume that our children, if they, are, if they start experiencing mental health difficulties, will come and talk to us about what they're going through. Or if they're worried about a friend, they'll come and talk to us about that friend. Um, so as my words of advice on that is just don't wait till it's crisis. Open up that dialogue. Don't be afraid. Um, so many young people are already talking about these issues. They're talking about it online, on Facebook, on MySpace, on their Gmail instant messenger chats. Um, and if we don't talk about it, 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 we're not preventing it from being spoken. We're just not giving students the, the right words to use. Um, so open up that dialogue at home, in the community, and, and that's the work that Active Minds does on campus, um, really empowering the students to have that dialogue as well. Well, I think it's really important for people to understand that if somebody's talking about it, take that seriously. Yeah. There, there's a myth that says, well, if people are talking about it, it means they aren't going to do it. And, and that is a myth. And when people are talking about it, it means they're still ambivalent and they can be helped. Yeah. And you're not ratting out on a friend if, if they're talking about that. And I think that's the other thing that sometimes gets in the way is that people feel like well, I have to protect my friend's confidence or this is a secret and I can't share it and I just want to encourage people to not see it as that, but this is a person who needs help. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the other piece I would add that's saying that it's better to have a friend mad at you than no friend at all um, and really be thinking about um, the protection of a friend. And I think as a friend, um, to get help yourself, it's a really tough situation to be in. As somebody who is worried about a loved one or worried about a friend, um, you may need to talk to somebody too, and that's okay. Um, and and you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I think another myth around suicide is that if you bring up the word suicide, you're going to put the idea into somebody's head. If you're really worried about somebody, ask them if they've thought about suicide. You're not going to put the idea in their head. That's how you're going to find out. Um, more often than not, they'll tell you the truth, and that's how you can really figure out the severity of what's going on. That said, it doesn't have to get to the point of thinking about suicide for somebody to get help and for somebody to need help. Um, I, kind of like we, we don't want to go into a crisis state um, before we start talking with our children. I think in general, we think about therapy and we think about mental health care um, in a way that much more traumatic than it has to be. I think everybody should talk about what they're going through. Even if you're just having a bad day, there's no reason to bottle it up. There's no reason to keep it inside. Um, and so we, it doesn't have to get to a crisis state before we seek help or before we start talking with a friend or family member about about behaviors that we see that, that may be different for them. And you mentioned um, the different uh, chapters of Active Minds. And what are some of the things that the chapters are doing? Oh, our chapters are phenomenal. <laughs> they make me so proud. Um, you know, we are a national organization that's headquartered in Washington, D.C., and we have student-run volunteer chapters 
um, on college and university campuses around the United States and in Canada. And all of our chapters are also advised by um, a staff member on campus, and so they have advisement from somebody either in the Counseling Center or the Office of Health Education, sometimes it's a faculty member. And our chapters all look a little different um, based on the campus that they're on, and one of the things that we really understand is that every campus is different, and there's not no one curricula is going to be effective on any particular campus. Um, on every campus, I should say. And so with that said, we have suggested events and we have um, requirements for our chapters, but then they are free to run programs that are in line with the Active Minds mission, which is to utilize the student voice to change the conversation about mental health on college campuses. Um, and so our chapters will hold events like benefit runs. Um, they'll bring in keynote speakers, have movie screenings about um, – you know, with some of the more popular movies to be screened include A Beautiful Mind, Prozac Nation, Garden State, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, um, typically pop culture type of movies um, that attract a general college student audience. And you watch the movie and then the chapters will hold discussions, or panel discussions or um, intimate kind of coffeehouse discussions about the movie and about the mental health theme in the movie. Um, the goal of Actimind's chapters is to really... Um, bring mental health into the spotlight the way physical health is and to attract and educate not just those students who already care, not just those students who happen to be psychology majors, but maybe also that engineering student who is just dying to see Prozac Nation and hasn't been able to see it yet, or that athlete who wants to come hear that professional athlete come and speak, and lo and behold, that professional athlete may be speaking about a mental health disorder they've experienced. And, and one chapter in particular um, brought in um, a Derek Adkins, who was the 1996 gold medal winning hurdlist at the Olympics. Uh, and Derek came in and spoke about the depression he experienced before the Olympics, during the Olympics, and after the Olympics. And while the common players were there and the individuals who were interested, the psychology majors and the nursing students and the social work students were all there to listen, the whole track team also poured in because this was the 1996 gold medal winning hurdlist. And it gave them the opportunity to see this hurdlist, but really hear a mental health message that they so desperately needed to hear. Um, so cha chapters run public education events that attract a large portion of campus. Um, they co-sponsor events with different student groups on campus as well as with the Counseling Center and other offices on campus. Um, we have a few national programs. National Day Without Stigma happens in the, um, the Monday of Mental Health Awareness Week of October of every year, um, and National Stress Out Day that we co-sponsor with the Anxiety Disorders Association of America and this year with OCD Chicago. Um, and our chapters all simultaneously run programs on those two days um, around the issue that the day presents. So National Day Stress Out Day is coming up at the end of April, and during Stress Out Day, our chapters will engage in um, stress relief activities that um, around final exams and the end of the school year, um, as well as teaching students about serious anxiety and serious anxiety disorders um, and where the students can seek help for, um, for anxiety disorders if they experience it. Um, we also have other national programs. We have a partnership with the um, Student Veterans of America group, and so some of our chapters are engaging in educational programs on their campus around the mental health needs of student vets. Um, we have um, a couple of other national programs as a group, but our chapters, as I said, look all look a little bit different with the main goal to raise mental health awareness on campus 
um, to engage students, to empower students to tell their stories, and to really serve as liaison between students and the mental health community so that the, the really important resources and information that's out there gets into the hands and into the minds of students to kind of serve as a non-intimidating way um, to get some pretty critical mental health-related information out to the student body. Have you noticed any um, significant in... Um I don't know whether improvement is the right word, of uh, where there's an active minds chapter. Do you see more people seeking counseling? Do you see more people um, talking about mental illness? Do you notice a, a culture shift at all? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough to answer that question. I can say anecdotally, um, we've, we've certainly seen some impact. There's one chapter um, in New York where uh dean of students um, single-handedly attributed a 100% increase of student visits to the counseling center to Active Minds, um, and we're quite flattered that he's done that. Um, do we know for sure that it was because of Active Minds? No. Um, we are, you know, as Active Minds has developed, our society has also changed a bit, um, and we're now in a society where it's a little more okay to seek help than it was last year, and it was a little more okay last year than it was the year before. So schools are certainly seeing an increase in students seeking help. Um, we can't necessarily attribute it to active minds. What we can say, though, is, is the, um, kind of subjectively we've had testimonials from students who have been a part of an active minds chapter on his or her campus um, or known about an active minds chapter on his or her campus and have um, unsolicitedly come and, and emailed us and told us the impact of having active minds in their lives um, and how much of a difference it's made in their own life. Um, so that's really the extent that we can say um, that Actimize has really impacted campus culture. And we'll be right back with more with Allison and um, learning about Active Minds and mental um, wellness on campus. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. 
At Last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with Arena. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. This is an important programming note from the Voice America Women's Channel. The Catherine Zox Show is moving. Our new address is Voice America, and we will be heard on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, starting Wednesday, November 19th. All of the archives will still be available through Catherine's Boombox Player. Remember, tune in to the Catherine Zox Show on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, beginning on Wednesday, November 19th, on Voice America's flagship Voice America Channel. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Allison Melman, who is the founder and executive director of Active Minds. Um, Allison, you know, I was I was thinking, um, and we were talking during the commercial about, uh, you know, part of your mission is for um, the students to have a voice, and why is that important? Well, it's, you know, it, it's the reason I started Active Minds, to be honest, um, for for so many reasons. Um, you know, my brother Brian, as I said, experienced mental health issues that he didn't understand. Um, and I think more importantly, he thought he was the only one. And I just wish he would have known that there were other students on his campus who were also struggling uh, and or who were also dealing with mental health issues and were doing okay. Um, Brian seemed to think that his mental health diagnosis was a life sentence in a way. And I really wish he would have known um, that it's not a life sentence. And, and that he could, with treatment, um, really become the person that he wanted to be. Um, and so I, I initially thought that the student voice was so important so that people like Brian could tell their stories, so that people like Brian could also hear the stories of their peers and their colleagues. And then I quickly realized, too, that you know there were mental health education programs, ha- programs happening on my campus, and I believe there were some on Brian's campus, too, but they never really got down, quote-unquote, to me or to Brian. Um, it, it, mental health is still a pretty scary topic. And when a counseling center um, staff person comes in or a counselor comes in and starts talking about mental health, um, not many students really want to listen. But they're much more willing to listen to their friends. And they're much more li- willing to listen to their peers. And so one of the importance of the student voice is to create a voice that students will actually listen to um, and, you know, so much of school policy and so many of the activities that happen on campuses kind of come from the top down. And I never understood how we could truly be addressing college student mental health without college students involved in the, pre- the planning and the programming. And so the idea of Active Minds was to become that student voice, to become that place that students um, could could impact school policy and could impact the level of education on their campus 
um, could put facts and information out that really pertain to them at the time that was most relevant in locations that were most relevant uh, in order to get that information out to their peers. Um, so there's so, so, so many reasons that the students really need to be empowered. And I think part of it, too, is letting students do something with their experiences. Um, one of the things that we find so unique about Active Minds is that the students have become involved um, because Active Minds is not a support group. Active Minds is a, an advocacy, public awareness and education group on a campus. Um, and so the students who get involved are students who have been diagnosed with mental health issues, um, either in high school or have been diagnosed in college, students who are currently in treatment um, for a mental health issue, um, students who have had friends or family members who have dealt with mental health, um, students like myself who have lost loved ones to suicide, students who are psychology majors or nursing students or social work students or are interested in mental health professionally but not quite sure what aspect of mental health they're interested in. And then there are students who will say, I have no story, I have no reason to be here, except that I just know this is really, really important. And giving all of those students a place to channel their energy um, has been has been so important, and we've really recognized how much energy is there. Um, you know, we're an organization that grew from one campus chapter to now nearly 250 in six years, uh, and we've grown at that rate because students have come to us and said, "This is an important issue. I want to do something about it on my campus." And so it was really the function of creating a place where students could have a voice. Um, and then they took it and ran. A little bit of the Field of Dreams concept. If you build it, they will come. Um, and it's really, um, really reinforced to me the need to create a place for students to have that voice. Um, you mentioned that um, it gives students an opportunity to change policy. What kind of policies would Active Mind students be involved with? Um, chapters have been involved in policy um, direction in a couple of different ways. Um, one is as most basic as a counseling center is looking to hire a new counselor, and they've actually brought Active Mind students in to be part of the interview process. Not necessarily policy changing, um, but really impacting the mental health care and the clinical care on campus. Again, if somebody's going to come in and treat students, Who's better to say, you know, what kind of individual is going to relate to students than student members of Active Minds? Um, other chapters have lobbied to um, get the counseling center moved. Oftentimes, counseling centers are on the far corner of the edge of campus in a basement with no windows. Um, yeah. So Active Minds chapters have um, lobbied to see if they could get it moved into a different area in the heart of campus, um, near the wellness center, near the health center, whatever it may be. Um, Chapters have also been instrumental. Um, there are a couple of schools where students actually pay a small fee um, as part of their student activities fee, and that money goes directly to campus counseling services. Uh, and there have been chapters that have been instrumental in helping to make that happen um, as well. So it's been a little bit of everything. Uh, I would say the main goal of Actimines chapters is for public education and awareness, but without a doubt, um, our students then become members of mental health task forces that are put together by the deans of students and really become that student voice um, in, in campus culture around mental health. What kind of training do the students get um, to be a leader in Active Minds? Is there any special training or...? Yeah, every every person who's interested in starting a chapter of Active Minds gets uh, what we call a toolkit, and it's about a 60-page um, booklet of information about how to start a chapter of Active Minds, what it means to be part of Active Minds, how to start a student group on your campus, um, suggested calendar events, suggested 
speakers, movie screenings, um, the above. And I should say that we, uh, as an organization, also have a speakers bureau, um, and we have we have young adults who are trained to tell their stories with um, mental health promotion messages. So the, the students will also get um, those toolkits. They're also assigned to a chapter coordinator here at my national office, um, who really work one on one with the the students who um, want to become chapter leaders um, to get the chapter going on campus and really serve as that technical resource. Um, we have leadership materials that go out to our chapters um, at the beginning of the spring semester to help with transitioning leadership from year to year. And then at our national conference, which is an annual event, um, we have a uh, half-day leadership institute that's um, we've co-sponsored. The Wellstone Action Network comes in and leads this leadership institute for um, our chapter president and executive board members. And um, topics in the institute include strategic planning, um, you know, what type of leader are you, um, fundraising, and other you know type of leadership type of events. So um, the chapters get that type of leadership training as well as all the programming that we kind of hand off to the chapter leaders and the chapter presidents for them to run on their campus. Um, typically, how many people does it take to start an Active Minds chapter? You know, it can start with as little as one or has started with as many as 25. Um, it really depends. We, we suggest that for a chapter to get going, um, there is at least one, if not two, interested students and one person on staff um, at at the school, and as I said, usually that staff person is somebody in the counseling center. Um, every campus is different, and so in order to become a registered chapter of Active Minds, the group has to become a registered student group on campus. And on some campuses, um, that means you need three student executive board members, and that's it. Other campuses, you need to have a petition signed by 200 students saying, this is it, a group that's needed on my campus. Um, and so it really depends from campus to campus. I would say um, some of the most successful chapters that have started up have started with a handful of interested students and a staff person, and they've just built from there um, and planned events as a small group and continue to attract new new students every year. I would think that one of the challenges is, is that because kids are only in college for four years, that this is a rotating um, group of people. So oh, it absolutely there's, is. There's, there's always somebody to orient or somebody that's new. Absolutely the case. And I would say they're only in college for four years, but generally students don't get really involved in student groups until their junior and senior year. So it's actually generally every year, or at least every other year, um, that there's leadership transition of the chapters. And that's why having an on-campus advisor has been so important for our chapters. But it's also why we spend so much time here at the national office helping with um, that type of leadership training and transition training um, and why the chapter coordinators here in my office spend so much time um, really dedicated to their chapters to help ensure that that continuity exists. Um, that said, we certainly have had chapters that have been strong at some point in our existence and have gone weak again and maybe starting up again or maybe dormant right now. Um, and at a given time, there, there are always some chapters that have gone quiet. But we're always pleasantly surprised by somebody who says, hey, there was a chapter of Active Minds on my campus before and it's gone quiet and that makes me mad and I want to get it going again. So um, our chapters are, are kind of um, ebbing and flowing as, as they will, but um, many of them are really active because of um, the real dedication to transition, leadership transition that um, my chapter coordinators have here as well as the presidents on campus. Um, if someone wanted to find you on the web, what is your uh, web address? It's very easy. It's activeminds.org, www.activeminds.org. 
Um, all of our information is on the website. It's one of the things that we update first before anything else. So uh, anything you want to find out about us is there. We also have a pretty uh, robust Facebook presence, um, and we have a um, fan page, just Active Minds, Inc., that you can search for us on Facebook. We're also on Twitter um, and on YouTube. And links to those are all on our website. So if you get to our website, you can find out all about that um, through the site. Um, one of the things that we t- you, that you talked about early on too was um, one of the goals is to change the conversation about um, mental health. And um, what do you mean by changing the conversation? There's so many pieces and so many facets of that. Um, one of you know one of the reasons of we have that slogan is because we are really putting the student voice into mental health where there hasn't really been a place for students to be before. Um, we're the only organization that's doing what we're doing. We're really the only organization that's giving students a chance, um, young adults a chance, um, really dedicated to giving them a chance to be part of the mental health um, community. I think another piece of it is language um, and trying to remove some of the stigmatizing language and stereotyping language that we commonly um, associate with mental health um, and create a place where students feel as though they can thrive. So talking about mental health and talking about mental wellness in addition to talking about mental illness, is really encouraging all students to reflect on their own well-being um, and not necessarily keeping mental health and mental illness so segmented and stigmatized as it typically has been. And we'll be right back to talk more about language and um, the stigmatization of mental health on college campuses. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk. Network. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. 
The World Health Organization estimates that 50 to 80 million people worldwide are facing infertility today. For most of them, this news is devastating. It's time for Gifted Journeys. This innovative program hosted by Wendy Wilson, president of a highly successful California-based egg donation agency, will take you beyond the traditional family and introduce you to alternatives such as IVF, egg donation, surrogacy, and adoption. You'll hear from experts and those who have walked the path. Tune in to Gifted Journeys, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Allison Melman, who is the founder and executive director of Active Minds. And we're talking about a number of issues. Um, in our last segment, we were talking about how Active Minds, one of their missions is to change the conversation um, on campus about mental health, mental wellness. Um, and, you know, I was struck earlier when you talked, when you gave the example of how the this, this students had... Um, advocated and, and to get a uh, counseling center out of the basement of a building on the other side of campus to a more centralized kind of um, building that provided more access and, and maybe um, you weren't singled out as much because everybody knew what the basement office was for. And, and you had said earlier how important it is to just talk about what's going on with you, what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And sometimes I think that by there's like intentional People try to do the right thing, but it just kind of backfires. You know, it's like if we want to protect people's confidentiality, so you took this this office away thinking that you're doing a good thing, when in reality you're just re-stigmatizing them. It's, it's absolutely the case, and, and we and people do. They try so hard, um, and for some people, they need to know that their confidentiality is going to be really protected in that sense. But in the general scheme of how the campus treats mental health, um, if we keep mental health kind of, in a way, metaphorically tucked away in a corner, what are we doing to really show students that we're here to support their whole being? If we move the mental health center into the wellness center, into the whole health office, we're showing our students that their mental health is as important, if not more important, than their physical health, that there's a connection between the two, and that there's nothing embarrassing about going to seek mental health care and mental health treatment. Um, and so while not everybody may feel that already, we need to keep encouraging that, and there are little things that we can do um, physically moving the campus counseling center into a different spot that can really help to, to change that culture and change the conversation. Well, you know, I know at Westbridge we work with folks who experience both um, mental illness and um, substance use disorders, and language can be so hurtful. I mean, you know, we, you know, I've been with, uh, you know, with some of our folks and listening to the radio, and the disc jockey's talking about, you know, being, you know, crazy or or schizo or paranoid, and, and they're doing it in a joking, pejorative way, and it's uncomfortable sitting with somebody who experiences that and hearing that joked about on the radio. 
you know. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I, and I think, you know, especially when we're talking about young adults, language is so, so important. And, you know, I started saying that when we're talking about young adults, we need to talk about mental health like we talk about mental illness um, in a way that all students can see that we all, not, we all may not have a mental illness, but we all have mental health. And if we look at it on a spectrum, then those with mental health disorders or mental illnesses not all that different from those of us without mental health disorders. Um, and we all will struggle with our mental health at some point in our lives if we're not struggling right now while we're in college. And there's stuff that we can do um, to really ensure or help promote our own wellness, I think, especially with young adults as well. This is a time where we're really trying to figure out who the heck we are and really figuring out a sense of identity. And if we, if there's a student who has bipolar disorder or has depression or has an eating disorder and is described as oh, I'm bipolar, or oh, she's, um, she's anorexic. No, she's a person who has anorexia, and he's a person who has bipolar disorder. Um, they're people first, they're young adults first, students first, who are living with a mental health disorder um, and, and not identifying oneself or, or colleagues or friends by their disorders and by their diagnoses, I think is so, so important, um, especially when we're looking at, at this young adult age um, where students are just trying to figure out who the heck they are and where their place is in the world. And, um, you know, I think we should spend just a few minutes just talking about mental wellness because um, one of the things that your chapter does at the uh, Stress Out Day is it really focuses on things you can do to be well. Yeah. And I think that that's important. Those, those are important coping skills that we need to teach everybody, but how great to learn how to deal with that in college in a healthy way so you don't you're not up all night on um you know caffeine pills and red bull before exams that you learn how to take care of yourself in a way so that your brain doesn't end up on fire and then crashing yeah well and i think you know college itself students don't understand or appreciate the need for sleep uh, and really underestimate sleep and studies have really shown that sleep truly affects um, one's mental health and which really affects one's productivity. Um, and so one of the things that we encourage students to do is sleep and get the eight hours if they need it, get ten hours if they need it, whatever it is, um, they're going to be in a much better place the next day than if they pull that all-nighter, as you said. Um, eating healthy, you know, ca- campus cafeterias are, uh, are, are known for um, their unhealthy food choices, um, and, you know, school, being a college student, you know, you're supposed to order pizza at midnight. Um, really eating well, taking care of yourself physically can really impact one's mental health, really impact one's stress anxiety levels. Um, writing in journals, talking it out, exercising, um, taking care of oneself, one's whole self um, will really impact mental health and academic performance. And sometimes students just need to hear about academic performance because that's what they judge themselves on. Uh, and for all students to know that all of these components really impact their academic performance is really important. Um, during National Stress Out Day, our chapters will engage in activities like recess, really bringing recess back um, onto the quad of campus and playing Red Rover and playing with Play-Doh and pie-in-the-face contests and things that just bring students back to the good old days, quote-unquote, before life got so stressful, to remind them that there are things outside of academics. Um, at the same time, some of our chapters will hold events um, called, such as Oasis in the library, where they actually physically take a room in the library and um, bring in healthy snacks and bring in board games and let students who are spending hours upon hours writing papers or studying take a break for two minutes or two hours in that little oasis um, to to remove oneself from the, that 
huge academic pressure um, and cre- really create a space where we can take, one can take care of himself uh, in addition to doing that study and paper writing that they're doing. Um, I think one of the things, too, is to, is to maybe just touch a little bit about the fact that um, student-athletes have a high rate of uh, mental health issues as well, that um, athleticism isn't usually a, um, a buy for, for these issues, that folks involved in sports can be just as affected by mental health. Oh, it's true. Every, every group, every student has their own challenges. Um, many times student-athletes are on scholarship, so they feel immense pressure to remain at the top of their sport in order to stay on their scholarship. Um, there, in some athletics, there are inherent body image issues, um, and, and oftentimes student athletes are pushed to the brink uh, in terms of eating and body image. Um, and you know, we're, we're fortunate and we're hopeful that more and more athletes will come forward with the issues they've experienced um, so that those student-athletes know, again, that they're not alone and that you can still achieve success even while taking care of oneself. Um, that's a message that has often gotten lost, um, and student-athletes are no exception, um, you know, as well as members of Greek life, as well as um, members, you know, people who are in the top percentage of their class. Everybody has their pressures, um, and every pressure looks a little bit different. Um, but for all students to know that they're not the only ones, that they're not alone, um, and that people really do care and there's help available is so important. Um, thank you so much, Allison, for being our guest today. And if any of you out there want to learn more about Active Minds, the website is activeminds.org. And um, look for it on a campus near you because there are over 250 chapters around the country. And thank you for all that you're doing, Allison. My pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here with you today um, and to talk about this really important topic. Thank you, and have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.